Good morning, Grace. So, I'm up here, which means that I have another quizzing update for you guys. Will my quizzers please come forward? I think we're missing Lainey today. She's at the campgrounds. So, this past weekend, our quizzers participated in a very important tournament, state finals, which was held in Alexandria. This tournament signifies the conclusion of the regular quiz season, and it's normally when our teams qualify for nationals. Our team, as I'm sure you remember, and all the other teams in the state have already qualified for nationals, so this tournament was for fun. But, uh, you know, that doesn't always mean it's fun. <laughs> it's still stressful um, because you want to do well, and all of our quizzers, they did so well this weekend, individually and as a team. So we'll start with our team performance. Uh, these guys and Laney placed second at state when they will represent our state as Louisiana two at nationals in July. Individually, uh, Laney placed fifth on the all tournament team. Heston was third on the all tournament team and Noah was first. And all three of our last year uh, quizzers were recognized at the banquet on Friday night for successfully completing their first year, which uh, is a feat in and of itself. So um, they uh, individually have done an excellent job this year. And our final accolade from the weekend goes to Heston Bunch, who was awarded the Roger Creel Stewardship Award. Uh, this award is difficult to give out because in my opinion, every quizzer, especially these up here, should be awarded it. So what's the award about? The Stewardship Award can be boiled down to responsibility, protection, and discipleship of the word. And isn't that what every quizzer is charged to do? The winner of this award should not just learn the material, but also live out the word that they are learning, showing love to others, being gracious in defeat, and humble in victory, and always showing the love of Christ. So Bible quizzing, it's broader than just the trophies and the successes that you see up here. And you see a lot because these guys are super successful. Um, and this award is meant to highlight the fact that it's not always about this. There's a lot of growth that happens away from the board in terms of um, just, you know, attitude, spiritual development, camaraderie. And I've seen that type of growth this year in Heston and working with him every week in practice. And I'm grateful that others across the state saw the same thing and saw fit to award him with this award. So congratulations goes to Heston. We've got a great group of quizzers, guys. They are um, known across the state and the nation as some of the best, but also with the best heart and the best attitudes. So we are proud of our quizzers as they continue into the postseason, as I call it. At this point, they're going to start really honing their material even more. They'll be memorizing all kinds of other things besides just the verses, the 419 verses. Um, so uh, thank you guys so much for your support. Thank you to all of our quizzers for their hard work. Please pray for us. Uh, the next... Um, between now and uh, nationals at the end of July is it's a lot of effort, a lot of practices, a lot of hard work, and, and the guy, these guys are going to do it, and they're going to mostly do it with a smile on their face, of course, but uh, we want to represent you guys really well at nationals, and so we appreciate y'all's support and continue to pray for us. Thank you. Well, thank you, Courtney. Thank you, Quizzers. So proud of them.
in the tremendous work that they do. And as she said, they represent us so well in everything that they do and everywhere they go. Welcome to church this morning. Glad to see you here today. Glad you have made uh, this a part of your schedule today. Live stream, Facebook Live. Thank you for joining us and being a part of this service today. Just one quick announcement before we change the order of the service and go into our worship set. I just want to remind all of you that uh, first Tuesday prayer this Tuesday evening has been dismissed. So mark your calendar. No first Tuesday evening prayer this Tuesday. God bless you for that today. But we will see you back here on Wednesday night for Bible study. Amen. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Um, why don't you look at somebody sitting close by and just tell them with all of the sincerity that you can muster, just tell them you are awfully peculiar. Tell somebody else, but you are chosen. The scripture says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now, we understand that doesn't mean weird or odd. It just means called out, separated, singular, uh, redeemed. In fact, that verse goes on to say, He has called us out of darkness into marvelous light. Amen. But today, as we begin our service, what I really want to highlight, if you go look at that verse, it talks about all those things being chosen, being called out, peculiar, holy, royal, all those things, but it tells us why we have been called out, why we have been chosen, why we could go as far to say the reason that God has set us apart, and it is strictly to show forth His praises, and so we stand here today redeemed, we stand here today called out and chosen really with a standing invitation to a praise party today. Basically, it would make God's day if we as redeemed people would just take some time to praise Him today, to show forth His praise, to call forth His worship. We have been called out of darkness and into light, and that ought to inspire us to praise, to worship. Would you do that with me today as the praise team comes? Speak of 
coming back to your presence. Cause there's a hunger and a thirst. I am desperate. Immerse me. I'm not waiting. Not anymore. I need you.
training and whatnot, and um, I hope they miss being here, and uh, after hearing about all the great things that's going to happen here today, they're going to regret not being here, at least that's my hope, I'm, I'm teasing, we're thankful they're there and uh, doing the work of the kingdom, the campground they'll be engaged for the next couple of weeks, and we're very thankful, so very thankful for that, but I'm glad you're here, I'm excited about everybody that's here today. Thank you for being at Grace Church this morning. We're glad you're here. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. And um, uh, what a great time we've already had in the presence of the Lord. And we thank God for His presence. And I thank the Lord for our praise team. I told them that before church today. They're a very valuable part of what we do here every Sunday morning. I'm thankful for people. For, I'm thankful for people who will take their gifting their talent and give it straight back to the Lord and it occurred it occurred to me this morning just thought of it from this angle we we have people on this platform that are professional people I mean on their their jobs and what have you they they uh, managers business owners what have you but um, it doesn't affect them or change them in any way when it comes to leading us in worship and I thank God for people like that with that kind of of commitment uh, <clears throat> the praise team hasn't made it back around yet they're coming but um, what what Courtney does not mention when she makes the praise uh, the quiz team presentations uh, really brags on our students and, and rightfully so but uh, she and along with her staff do an absolute amazing job I can promise you they would not have gone to nationals every year without a great coach and uh, so I want to salute Courtney. If somebody will pass this on to her, that I've said it. Uh, but I want to salute her, congratulate her, and thank her for her uh, undying commitment to our quiz team. And I'll say again, uh, they've been to nationals every year since they began quizzing. Uh, those that have been on the teams consistently has been to nationals every year. And that is, of course, the students are smart, they're intelligent, they can do this stuff, but you also have to have a great coach. It's like everything else. The team don't get all the credit. You have to give it some to the coach. And uh, I thank Courtney and Nathan for their commitment and others who helped them on Wednesday nights. What have you. Thank you so, so very much. Well, I have come today very excited. I have a message to share with you today. And uh, let's get to it. 
I want to call your attention to one verse of scripture found in 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 12. You're welcome to join in your Bible or follow on the screen. 1 Samuel chapter 12, for, excuse me, chapter 7 and verse 12. Then Samuel, that great prophet, then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mespah and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. I want to use that for my sermon title today. I want to preach to you for a little while. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Everybody say thank God for the word. Thank you so very much for your standing and you may be seated. I'll open this presentation today with a question, and I'm sure most of you can probably raise your hand. Have you ever received an award? Have you ever received an award for anything? Uh, I remember one time getting a trophy about that tall when I was a kid uh, in, in children's church at the first church on Sunday morning for winning so many sword drills in a row. Uh, there were two girls about my age uh, that was very heavy competition. I mean, heavy competition. And it took a lot of work. There's a lot of rules. You couldn't put your finger in your Bible between the Old and New Testament, for example. You couldn't use a Bible that had the, the thumb tabs down the side of it that showed you where the books were. You had to keep it closed and you couldn't open it until the verse, the, the book, chapter, and verse was completed. And, buddy, when they called out that we went, we got down on it. I'm telling you, Bibles were smoking, flipping the pages. And uh, one time I took down these two girls. One was Terry Simmons, uh, her maiden name, and the other was Jane Mitchell. And uh, I beat both of them to win that little trophy. And you would have thought they gave me a million dollars. I was proud of that little old plastic thing. And still wish I had it, to be honest with you. I don't know where it went. It was about that tall. And I just thought, I have arrived. If you ever receive an award, uh, I think that's about the only thing I can think of that I've achieved of any significance. <clears throat> but... Whether it was a plaque or a trophy, perhaps it was a certificate or some other token of recognition, the purpose of an award is to recognize and to give rightful praise, if you will, and honor to the persons or the groups or the person that have made noteworthy accomplishments and contributions. They Generally, sometimes the award will generally uh, contain the name of the honoree, a description of the deed accomplished, a date, and the recognition of the presenters. And my goodness, somebody commented a couple of weeks ago about the trophies down the hall that our quiz teams have won. That's only a small, a very small representation of the trophies that they have won. And uh, the quizzers that I know... Uh, what they have at home, the, the awards, the, the trophies, the ribbons, 
It's unbelievable the quantity, and we salute and applaud our quiz team for that. But recognition of some accomplishments may, be, may, may get bigger than a mere plaque or certificate. Sometimes a statue has been fashioned after someone, a bust of that person, uh, memorials. All of these things have been erected around the world to uh, note the lifetime contributions of those who distinguish themselves in the course of time or to note the site of a historic event, whether it's a small certificate or a towering obelisk. Awards have a way of recognizing and marking important moments in time. Tributes usually follow a significant accomplishment. Often those receiving the tribute feel undeserving and are puzzled at the praise they receive from others. When I heard about the very honorable award that uh, was bestowed upon Heston Bunch yesterday, I wondered if he really thought if he was real undeserving of that. Or did he think knowing Heston Bunch like I know was like, uh-huh, I'm glad they noticed. Been... <laughs> uh, I'm teasing. I wonder if he would have won that award based off of his home life. You can ask Steve and Sherry about that. I don't know. I'm just, just throwing that out there. But we know how to recognize people for their accomplishments. But I want to ask you a question today. How do we recognize God when He helps us? How do we bestow back some form of gratitude or appreciation for all the things that He's done for us? That was the question that puzzled David in Psalm 116, verse 12, when he said, What shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? What a question. How can I give back to God? He concluded later on in his writing when he said that he would drink from the cup of salvation, that he would pay his vows and continue to call upon the name of God. He decided that was the best way to give tribute to God. As Christian people, we recognize that God has helped us in many ways. If I asked for a show of hands today, every hand in this room would go up that says in some capacity to another, God has helped me. God has been there for me. We cannot begin to pay him or reward him for his benevolence toward us. The trail of life that marks our journey is speckled with markers, large and small, that testify of the help that we have received from God. And without him, without him, we can do nothing. If we have accomplished anything, the glory is His and not ours. Everybody say amen. amen. Our text focuses on the prophet Samuel as he raises up a stone that recognizes God 
for his past, present, and future work in the life of Israel. He raises up a stone that is recognizing that. The background behind this story, behind this verse, the Ark of Covenant had been out of Israel's hands for the past 20 years. You say, well, why is that such a big deal? It would be pretty much synonymous for the baptism of the Holy Ghost to be taken out of your life for the past 20 years. To the people of Israel, that's an equivalent. To them, that was their presence of God. It wasn't just symbolic. It was, but not just that. When they had it, they could not be defeated. When they didn't have it, they could never win. They understood that. And so over the past 20 years prior to this verse, they labored in hope, they labored in prayer that God somehow would find it in his heart to bless them again by letting the Ark of Covenant return to them. So they assembled in the wilderness, the Bible said. The people prayed, for, prayed to God. They prayed that he would forgive them of their sin. And an elaborate ceremony, they poured out water on the ground to symbolically demonstrate their humility before God. They made a public confession of their sins, condemning themselves and praising God for his goodness. As they met in the wilderness, they committed to living for God. They committed that we're going to do that. But their enemy, the Philistines, saw them and prepared to attack them with a vengeance. They knew what the children of Israel were doing. They knew why they were doing it. And the last things, the last thing the enemy wanted to happen was to surrender the presence of God back to the children of Israel. The Bible said that when the Philistines came to prepare to attack them, God confused the Philistines in their attack with a great thunderstorm. He confused them with a thunderstorm, the Bible said. So despite the Philistines' overwhelming numbers, Israel, for the first time in a long time, defeated their enemy and rose, arose victorious over their enemy. So here they are. They've got the Ark of Covenant back after 20 years, and they are thankful. They are appreciative of this amazing victory. So in an act of praise, in a show of gratitude, the prophet Samuel erected a great stone to commemorate God's great work in their life, and he called the stone Ebenezer, which means a stone of the help. To the children of Israel, erecting stones, altars, monuments was not unusual to them. They did it all the time. But this one carried an aspect, a perspective, if you will, of meaning like none of the others did. Let me pause in the story and rehearse some things in the Bible to you. When Noah and his family came out of the ark, Noah erected a stone altar on Mount Ararat to give thanks to God for saving them 
from the flood. The flood was over, the deed was done, and the stone altar marked the spot. Abraham etched Mount Moriah into the hearts of believers to this day when he prepared to sacrifice his son Isaac on an altar but learned that God had a lamb in the thicket. He called the stone altar that marked that spot Jehovah-Jireh, meaning the Lord will provide. The test was over. Abraham passed. The stone altar marked the spot. Jacob took a stone, which had been his pillow, and turned it into a pillar that marked a place where he saw a ladder reaching into heaven. He named the place Bethel, saying the place was none other than the house of God. Jacob saw the vision. It was over, and that stone simply marked the spot. It wouldn't be fair to conclude this part of this message without this illustration. When the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River into their promised land, they finally, they're finally there. They took 12 smooth stones, marked the spot where the priest's feet touched the Jordan. These stones would be reminders to children who would later ask, what means these stones? And it would be told then of the great deed that God performed for their forefathers. At Jordan, the stones simply referred to a past accomplishment, a past miracle provided by the mighty hand of God. Israel was accustomed to stones, yet there was something different about the Ebenezer stone. It was different from all of the others. In naming this site, Samuel says, Hitherto, hitherto, the Lord has helped us. The word hitherto in Hebrew suggests a continuum in the time. It doesn't mean it stopped there. It's not marking something just for past reference. But this is a continuum in time. It is different from the word has helped us, which suggests that the time of God's help has passed. It is different from God did help us because it suggests that now the help is over. Hope everybody is listening. Hitherto being a continuum reaches back to what God has done, brings it to what God is presently doing, and then carries it further to what God will do in the future. Everybody say amen. Let's give the Lord some praise for that. I think sometimes, and I'll digress for a moment, we relish miracles of the past so much sometimes that it's almost like we're telling God we're so thankful you did it because we know you can never do that again. And I think that's a stumbling block. The stone is now not an altar, but it's a stumbling block. Another sermon for another time. But the Ebenezer stone was different for all the other stones that had ever been erected. Let me repeat again. It marked what God did on a certain day and time. But it also marked what he continues to do and what is expected in the future. 
So Samuel had it right. The Ebenezer Stone was not the end of God's work with the people. His defeat of the Philistines a few days earlier was not the culmination of blessings they were to expect, but rather it was the beginning of blessing that they could begin now to anticipate. So in a mighty way, God moved with the nation as they they won successive victories over the Philistines, final victory later on in the future under David. And they enjoyed a peaceful reign under King Solomon that the Bible said for 40 years they didn't have to go to battle. That's a good part of our lifetime. Wouldn't it be a great thing to know that for the next 40 years you don't have to worry about a battle, you don't have to worry about a weapon, you don't have to worry about strategy, you don't have to worry about none of that, that you're going to live in a time of peace like no other has ever lived. So the Ebenezer Stone was a stone of recognition for God's work in the past. It was a stone of praise for God's continuous work. And now it has become a stone of hope for the great work that God would do in the future. He said he called it the Ebenezer because God has helped us. God has helped. I believe today that every saint of God, everybody here today, could set up a stone or marker that shows a point in life in which God has intervened in our lives. I believe everybody here today could say, yep, I can take you back to the place in time. Like Noah, we have survived floods of trouble. We have remained afloat, even though at times it appeared that we would sink. Like Abraham, we have seen difficult times when our faith has been tested and the very lives of those we've loved the most have been threatened. It was moments such as those that strengthened us when we learned that God truly does have a ram caught in the thicket. Like the Israelites crossing River Jordan into a new land, this church has moved into a new direction that we never thought we would be taking just a few years ago. And I believe today we are still bound for more promises of God than we've ever dreamed of and that could ever expect. Amen. So all of us may know of God. All of us may know of God. But there are some people here today that really, really know Him. All of us may know of God. But life has taught some of us to really trust Him. All of us may know of God, but trials have taught some of us that He won't let you down. All of us may know of God, but some of us are not like we were taken when we were first come to the Lord. Who is it among us that can deny the handiwork of God? Hallelujah. Who can claim to be the architect of his own destiny, responsible for his own success and achievement? Somebody has an Ebenezer stone erected in an unseen corner of a hospital room. It marks the place where they asked for and received an answer to a prayer. 
I've heard the story over and over and over when people were given that diagnosis that everybody dreads. And they prayed about it and an angel walked into the room and the doctor went on with the procedure and said we could find nothing. The stories are endless where people have erected a stone at various places in their lives. I know there's families here today and I, I say this very respectfully because I say it in light of the fact that I know there are some families here today that are struggling with everything in them to keep their home and marriage together. Some have conquered that, others have not. But there are people who've won that battle and there's some people sitting here this morning and you know who you are. That you have an Ebenezer stone in your home somewhere, figuratively speaking. It marks the place where God helped your failing marriage. He strengthened a weakened husband and sustained a burned out wife. I could go on and on and on. But somebody has an Ebenezer stone erected in your spirit. And it marks the place and time where they met, where you met the Lord for the very first time. This past week, and I don't want to steal any thunder from the Bunch family. Brother Dave and Sister Farrah Dawson went to St. Jude. I believe it was this past Tuesday and Wednesday, whatever day it was, sent us a picture. And uh, Dawson's doctor, physician that has walked hand in hand, arm in arm with them from the very beginning of Dawson's diagnosis. Somebody took a picture of Dawson standing next to Dr. Dr. Pui, an absolute genius when it comes to the treatment of leukemia. God has gifted that man. He had to have gifted him to do that. But apparently Dr. Pui told Dawson after giving him virtually a clean bill of health as far as leukemia goes, that said, you were my patient. Now you're my friend. I don't want to diminish God in any way. God has helped me through so many things in my life. His hand has been in mine. And he's brought me through so many things. You know, it, it, it brings to light, Brother Dave, Sister Farah, that when the New Testament said that Abraham was a friend of God. It's almost like God was saying, you used to be weak and faithless. You knew how to worship. We had to work on your faith, and you did a lot of dumb stuff. But when you sacrificed your only son to me or attempted to, now I know. You were a student. You were someone that I just had to hold your hand all the time. But now I can say, you're my friend. And I believe there's people here today that shares that testimony that I'm a friend of God. We've been through so much together. But I'm not his friend because of me. I'm his friend because of him. Perhaps that's why Moses would declare in Psalm 90 and verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. David said in Psalm 27, 5, For in the time of trouble, 
He shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. And he shall set me up on a rock. There's some people here today right now that needs to take Psalm 27 verse 5 and mark it in your Bible. Write it down somewhere. And you grab a hold of the hand of God and you watch him as he is going to lead you and guide you through the most fiery trial you've ever experienced. If he's done it for one person in this building, he can do it for everybody in this building. But you have to take a hold of his hand and be willing to say, God, I'm with you. I'll follow you. Does anybody here today, does anybody here today appreciate the verse that says that he is a very present help in the time of trouble? Hallelujah to God. He is a very present help. May I reflect for a moment on the message that Brother Jason preached a couple of Sundays ago. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. The beauty of erecting an Ebenezer stone is that it does not simply recognize what God has done in the past, but it also looks at what God is still doing. The Ebenezer stone does not represent a ticking clock that says this time tomorrow your opportunity for a miracle is over. That's not what it represents. The Ebenezer, the Ebenezer stone says that as long as you have your hand in God's hand, that you're pursuing the will and purpose of God. There is no end. There's no end. To God taking a hold of your hand and walking with you every step. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter. That stone says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Hallelujah. The Ebenezer stone does not simply say that God was good for Daniel in the den of lions. That God was good for the three Hebrew boys. But it also says that God is still able to deliver today. The Ebenezer stone doesn't simply say that God was good for our parents and for our grandparents. But it says that God is still good for us today. It doesn't simply say that God was good back then. But it also says that God is still good right now. Hitherto. Hitherto. Reaches over into the past and brings God back to the present. Hitherto. Transcends time and removes God from the trophies of past victories and elevates Him as the symbol of present victories. That's why long after Samuel had erected the Ebenezer stone, David could write in Psalm 46 and verse 1, that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. 
he could boldly declare in Psalm 27 and 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? God don't abandon. God does not abandon. He does not forsake. He does not leave you stranded. God is our present help. And I'm happy to tell you that God is our future help. I've said it before and people squirm with it sometimes depending on your theology. But I mean it in the simplest of terms. But you can't go anywhere in this life that God hasn't already been there. And it's not that he just goes there just to say I've been there. But he's already been through circumstances just like yours with a million other people. And if he got them through it, he'll get you through it. I'm preaching to somebody right now. I hope you're absorbing. I hope you're listening. We rejoice in God, not only because he's been our help in the past and present, but he will be our help in the future as well. Do you understand? God is building a heavenly kingdom here. He's building a spiritual kingdom here in which each child of God is a living Ebenezer stone, if you will. We are a manifestation, a living sacrifice of the ever-present God made manifest in our lives. When you feel abandoned, and I have. When you feel forsaken, and I have. I forget the scripture where Jesus said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. He is always there. We need to understand that we are a living, breathing, moving Ebenezer Stone that says, God is a God of the past. He's a God of the present. And by God, he'll be the God of our future, no matter what it is. Oh, God. Oh, God. The Bible said that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He's the foundation upon which the kingdom is built. The corner piece of the kingdom of God is the same stone that the builders rejected. The cornerstone of our hope is not made of bricks and mortar. The cornerstone of our trust cannot be affixed to the edge of a building. The cornerstone of our faith is the substance of our hope. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. I've already talked to somebody today that's tomorrow's not going to be a good day for them. They know that. But it doesn't mean God's going to run. It doesn't mean that God's going to forsake. It's, <laughs> that's not what it means. So there are people here today that if, if the sun rises tomorrow, they already know that tomorrow is not going to be a good day. Decisions have to be made. Processes have to be put in motion that's not fun, that's not good, that's not enjoyable. There's other people here today that has no idea what could possibly come into your path tomorrow. But I will tell you this. No matter what it is, your God is not going to run and hide and leave you stranded and abandoned. Tomorrow, nor the next day, nor the next, nor the next. I don't know how long it will be or what the future holds for me, but this I know. 
that if Jesus leads me and I keep my hand in his, I'll be home with him someday. So it doesn't matter what the future brings as long as the Lord is on our side, if you will. If the Lord is on our side, listen to pastor. There'll never be a cross that you will not be able to bear. If the Lord is on your side, there'll never be a mountain that we won't be able to climb. There'll never be an enemy we won't be able to defeat. There won't be a battle that we won't be able to win. There'll, there'll never be a darkness so dark that we won't be able to see the light. There'll never be a trial that we can't make it through. There'll never be a test that God won't empower us to pass. As long as we keep our hand in his. So aren't you glad that Jesus knows just what to say? Listen to pastor while the musicians are coming. Aren't you glad there's people here today that got to be real careful here, but you, you should appreciate these words that I'm about to say. But aren't you glad to know that Jesus, in every situation you can find yourself in, he has the words that are appropriate for that situation. When the woman was caught in the very act of adultery and brought to Jesus, he knew exactly what to say. And the story pretty much ends with, Woman, where are your accusers? She said, I have none. He said, well, then go and send no more. He has the appropriate word. We grow accustomed, again, we grow accustomed to some past miracle in our life, and that's the last one God will ever do for us. I don't know that the lame man who sat by the pool for 38 years had ever had a miracle before, but I think this man had concluded that this is what my life is going to be for the rest of my life. Jesus walked up and had the exact appropriate words for that man. Your past has nothing to do. It has no bearing on what I'm about to do for you right now. I want you to arise and take up your bed and walk. It don't get any better than that. You can't hear more sweeter words than that. When God speaks to our situation he says what is needed to address the situation. No more, no less. Listen to pastor. Stand with me and you'll listen better. I'm preaching to somebody right now and I'm giving it every fiber of my being. Sometimes we want a paragraph from God and he'll only give us a sentence. You understand that? I'm going to be very kind. And I'm not being funny. We understand that men talk in headlines, women talk in paragraphs. We understand that. It's true. I'm good with that. There's a reason for that. I'm not going down that path right now. But sometimes lady folks in their approach to God, God just wants to make a statement to you, not give you a paragraph. He's not going to write you a novel. 
And God makes that statement, and we're oftentimes confused by it. We're not confused by what he said. We're confused that he didn't say more. There's people here today that God will speak to you in just two or three words if you'll listen to him. Don't question it. Take it at face value. You say, well, you don't understand the complexity of my situation. I don't have to. Does it get more complex when you're 12 experienced, or at least four experienced fishermen, and you have eight more in the boat with you, and you're responsible for their lives, and a storm hits of literal hurricane capacity, and you have no answer. All of you are going to drown in a matter of moments. Get your head around that. And they remember there's actually 13 in the ship. And they go get him up. And he speaks three words. And it's life changing. That happened 2,000 years ago, and we're still preaching about it. He walks out on the bow of that boat and says, What? Peace be still. But God, you don't understand how horrible this storm is. Peace be still. But God, we're terrified. Peace be still. But God, I'm so lonely and afraid. Peace be still. But God, you don't know about my kids. Peace be still. God, you don't know about my spouse. Peace be. He's speaking to your circumstance. (laughs) But apparently we don't really believe it until everything is a calm. And then we say, What manner of man is this? They didn't say that when he said, peace be still. They only said it after peace got still. We have a hard time hearing a simple message like this one and saying, hallelujah, God's got it in control. I'm in the palm of his hand. I don't have nothing to worry about. No, no, no. We've got to have God write two or three chapters and we've got to have two or four or five people speak to us and we have to have people walk up and say this and that and, and then we have to see the hand of God. We have to see God manifest in the hand of God. We have to see everything go away and life become this tranquil peace of heaven on earth. And then we say God spoke. What if you're the man that came running to Jesus that had been chained to tombstones and you're possessed with thousands of demons? You want to be confused? Imagine how that man felt. He's the one getting beat up here. And Jesus launches into this conversation with the demons on the inside of him. Hey, come here. Jesus, I'm the one that just in just a few short words, they agreed that Jesus would let them go into a herd of swine. He said, okay, go ahead. That was it. That's the end of the story. Y'all feel me here today? We want sometimes God to speak to us. Who was the Old Testament prophet who wanted, was it Elijah, who came to the conclusion that God don't always speak in an earthquake and wind and rain and all that, but in a still, small voice. When Jesus spoke against hypocrisy and challenged believers to be pure in spirit, be pure in motivation, his purpose was to edify people. John didn't have to write everything but he wrote enough about the Beatitudes in that statement that we could understand it. 
When Jesus preached about the believer's attitudes, he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He intended to motivate the people, but he didn't write chapters on that. He just a statement. He spoke boldly to believers, saying that even those who were persecuted for his namesake were blessed as well. His purpose was to inspire confidence. John didn't write everything and go on and on and on about all of that, just that statement. When Christ spoke to those whose hearts were heavy from sadness, he said, blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. What the paragraph, what long chapters. When it comes to talking about the goodness of the Lord, I just can't tell it all. But what I can tell you is that when I'm sick, he's the doctor in my sick room. When I'm in trouble, he's my refuge and strength. When I'm weak, he is the strength of my life. When I'm low, he picks me up and turns me around. When I need a blessing, he's always on time. I can't tell it all, but I want you to know that he's a shelter in a time of a storm. He's a bridge over troubled water. He's a lawyer for every courtroom. He's a rock in a weary land. I can't tell you everything. I can't write about everything, but I can tell you. He's a justification for my faith, the chief cornerstone of my hope. When I'm weak, he is the strength of my life. And when I'm low, he picks me up and turns me around. When I need a blessing, he's always on time. No wonder the songwriter declared, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So can anybody point to the Ebenezer stone and say, Surely, the Lord has helped me. David declared, I was young, but now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And receive our begging prayer. There's people here today that needs help. And I'm glad to tell you that God is an ever-present feel the presence of the Lord here today so strong. He may only have one statement, one simple statement for you. But it's nonetheless the power of the Word of God. And it will sustain you until your storm is passed. The gifts of the Spirit can move here this morning if somebody would be sensitive to that. Would confirm that God would affirm what was just said from His Word. There's some folks today that need some help. I'm glad to tell you right now that God is here to help you. Not oversimplifying it, not speaking from experience. So as they begin to sing softly, I'd like for everyone, if you would, to gather around. We we have some time before lunch. Gather around, ministry team. Would you let the Lord use you today? Would you let the Lord use you today? Everybody come with an open heart and an open mind to accept whatever God has for us. Let's go ahead and receive it. Sing. Sing.
stay sensitive to somebody close to you that may need some help, that may need some prayer. As we pray together right now, stay sensitive to somebody close to you. God wants to hide somebody today in the shadow. That rock of heaven. Let him wrap his arms around you right now. Let him take you by the hand. Let him lead you on. He'll get you through this. Yes, he will. Oh, yes. Yes, Lord. 